Isaiah. Isaiah, the 52nd chapter, and the first verse. The title of the sermon, Glory in My Infirmities. Glorying in My Infirmities. And that came from the Apostle Paul. And if anyone was a strong man in the Lord, spiritually strong, it was the Apostle Paul. And our scripture came from the book of Isaiah, the 52nd chapter in the first verse where the message had come from. It says, Wake up, wake up, Jerusalem, and clothe yourself with strength from God. Put on your beautiful clothes, O Zion, holy city, for sinners, those who turn from God will no longer enter your gates. The King James says uncircumcised and unclean. So starting from about the 49th of the 50th chapter there, we see a different situation for Israel, the people of Israel. And I was, as I was talking about the Apostle Paul, if anyone was strong, it was him. But it seems as though First and Second Corinthians and some of the other epistles, some of the people that had questioned Paul, especially at Corinth, question his apostleship and say, well, if he was an apostle and, and he was a man of God, he wouldn't be going through all of the things that he was going through. Uh, Sometimes we go through a, the midst of a whole lot in life. But we know that with Apostle Paul, when Jesus was sending Ananias to open his eyes, that he told him, he says, and show him how much he have to suffer for my name's sake. So sometime in strengthening us, God sometime allows us to suffer, and our condition sometime doesn't reflect our spiritual strength. It doesn't reflect who or what we are. And he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. That comes up on the heels of the apostle asking for the Lord to relieve him of his thorn in the flesh. He had a thorn in the flesh, and we know not what that thorn was. So that opens up the door for all of us to be able to use that because I'll refer it back to that a couple of times. What he say to one, he say to all. So as talking to any one particular person in the Scriptures, God has no favoritism or he's not partial toward any of his children so the word of God applies to all of us and what he's saying to one he says to all so when he says Peter the devil has a desire to sift thee as wheat but when thou coming round I've prayed for you when you're coming round strengthen your brothers he was also talking to the rest of us also that would go through trial and tribulation maybe not to the extent Peter was and in that particular situation. But those same infirmities and trials have come upon us all. So the Apostle Paul had asked for the removal of this thorn in the flesh, and he didn't remove it. And he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. And it's, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So in studying and looking at what we're looking at, the people that Isaiah were talking to they may not experience that in its fullness at that time. This was when they come out of the Babylonian captivity because 
we know that the latter part of that scripture hadn't hadn't been filled in Jerusalem to this day in Israel. It hadn't been fulfilled to this day when it says that uh, for from henceforth shall no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. We know that Titus Vaspasian, he leveled the temple, he leveled the Jerusalem temple and scattered the people about. So it wasn't Jerusalem, but it was figuratively he was speaking at that time. Isaiah was speaking to a people that may not even some of them go into the captivity. They would die before the captivity because it was some hundred years before they went into captivity when Isaiah made this prophecy. So parts of the word of God is made for our faith and for us to look back and use. And this morning we're focusing upon my strength, put on thine strength, being clothed in the Lord. And with them they couldn't quite use this, but we used a, that wake up, wake up, uh, awaken. He says, awake, awake. And we preached on that last week and analyzed that last week. And it's not saying the slumber or the sleep physically as some people are in, but he's talking to the church of people that we can use it in today's terminology that need revival. In other words, as Peter and them was slumbering and sleeping physically, he was meaning spiritually, being aware of. In other words, the five foolish and the five wise, it means be aware of what's going around. Know, in other words, catch up on or know what's going on around you. As some people say, well, what I know what time it is now. I know what time it is. In other words, uh, uh, intellectual knowing exactly what's going on. And that's what he's telling us because if we can't run with the footman, what happens when he sends the horseman? During this time when we first was converted, we needed to have been strengthening ourselves spiritually. And the only way we could have done that was to walk circumspectively. So as a century... A century. A century is one that stands God or watch. And he made all of us watchmen. The awake and awake means we're secure in the Lord. Our salvation is secure. And the Lord is our salvation. He had brought us out. But we must watch. We must be vigilant to keep our robes white. We must be vigilant to stay clean, cleansed from sin because... When he justifies us, when we're born again, when he births us again, he puts us in right standing with God. We're reconciled to God. And he imputes his righteousness unto us. That's imputed righteousness. And I told you, as we were talking last week in chapter 49 and 51 and 50, all of this relates to those that has righteousness in their hearts. In other words, that you're striving for righteousness. In other words, you're putting, or you're doing something. You are doer. So this is not talking to the unbelievers because he says unbelievers and the uncircumcised wouldn't even be able to come into Jerusalem or the synagogue or into the new Jerusalem. So we're talking about the heavenly Jerusalem or to the sanctuary of God. The unclean wouldn't err in that. A lot of times when Isaiah talk about it, 
He talks about the highway where no unclean or no one would error their way in. So you can't just get into the kingdom of God. You wouldn't be allowed interest. You must be born again. As he told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. But those that are entering into the city, they're strengthening. When he says, put on, put on thine strength, he says, arm yourself. In other words, now he's talking to us for something, for us to do something. As we studied a couple of weeks back, it was him that was awakening. In other words, it was him that was reviving his people, was to wake up. But now he's talking to us to wake up to be alert, to start doing something, to put on our strength in which is Him. He's our strength. And He'll cause us to triumph. Now those of us that doesn't triumph at this time, that falls by the wayside and neglect or whatever, we're named in Scripture. We're part of Scripture as those that don't overcome. But we must overcome by the blood of the Lamb. So there will be some that die along the way, just as that there were those that died in the wilderness. All of those that died in the wilderness didn't mean that they were lost, but it meant that they wasn't attentive, that they didn't gain those rewards. As in First Corinthians, when it says, we'll all be tried as by fire. And if any man lose those things, so some of us will lose a lot of rewards, but we'll still be children of God. We'll still be children of God. As the wasteful of the prodigal son, he was still a son of his father, and the father received him in. But we noticed that the elder brother, he had that inheritance that was left, left, that was left him twice the amount. He got double a double portion. But the younger son had wasted his inheritance. So there'll be a lot of us in the kingdom that won't have all of those other things that were promised. Because we didn't live up to the conditions of the promise. So we will be rewarded according to our deeds. According to our works. Now that's so far as rewards in blessings, but it's not according to salvation because salvation is given. And as I was saying, when he says what I say to one, I say to all. When you make a a general statement to all, all can receive that, but only to those that are gifted apply themselves to excel at certain levels will get the prize. At the beginning of the season, the Super Bowl is the main objective, but all teams won't arrive at the Super Bowl. All of them are in the NFL. Some of them are in the AFC. Some of them in the NFC. All of them have to compete, and they compete legitimately. But those who work the hardest, just like in the Olympics, and Paul used that running a race that we run, but you have to run the race. You have to run according to all of the rules. I was talking to a brother yesterday that went by his house and took some stuff back to him, and I was telling him, when are you going to get in the church? I know, man, you talk spiritual stuff all the time or whatever. I said, but you're a renegade. Jesus Christ died for the church and those within the church. You may believe in God, and I'm not saying you won't be saved, but 
only those that were on the ark, on Noah's ark, were saved in the way God had prescribed to him. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. But I'm not one here to judge, and we're not placing judgments on who God shall save, who shall be saved. But we know what the church's mission is. We know what the mission of the church is in its office holders, and that he died for the church, and we're the five, we should be the wise ones. So the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. He says, I have came that you may have life and enjoy life and have abundance to it until it overflows, that you would have it more abundantly. So there are some that are enjoying the abundant life in this life and in the life to come. But those are the ones that are obedient unto God unless God has appointed some other manner of suffering or some other manner of type of life to them. But don't allow Satan to rob you of the blessings that God had left for you. Don't allow Satan to rob you of these other things by listening at some of the other doctrines or teachings that keeps God's people down. It's like a parent. God is our parent, and we as parents have children. We try to tell them to marry the right person if they can, to have the right job or what friends they have or whatever. But sometimes we can't run their lives even though they, they're still our children. So they may live below the level that they're capable of by running with the wrong crowd or staying with the wrong person. Because some women or men may have needed to get out of an abusive situation, a situation with domestic barriers or whatever. Sometimes you die in those situations or whatever. There's a lot of deaths in domestic abuse. There's a lot of deaths fooling with the wrong friends or having the wrong association. So all of that, the devil is there to kill, rob, and steal. So we need to be awoke. We need to be aware of who we hang with or the associations we make and the people that we are with. Now, just because somebody died, something happened to or oh, he was lost. They was out there in the middle of the night doing this. Or they was doing that. No, we can't make that judgment and say that person was lost, even if that person committed suicide. We know Samson committed suicide, but we know as a child of God, Samson was a very disobedient child. We know that being a Nazarite, he had a vow upon him in which he was to follow the prescribed rules, and that is eat and drink what God told him and not to touch a dead body. But he touched even the dead carcass of a lion. His parents, when he looked the dust of the eyes, he says, Get this woman. She's beautiful. Can I have her? She says, why don't you marry some of the women that of your father's people or whatever? But he loved the Philistines. He married two different Philistines women, and they was the cause of his death. He ended up bald-head blind and committed suicide. But he was very disobedient to God. At one time, he jumped up, and his strength, he would play with things he shouldn't play with, and when you play with fire, you'd normally get burned. And his wife in Judges, the 16th chapter, I think it is, the 6th verse, 
the people were wondering, they said, Samson, where does your, she asked, where does your strength come from? And he gave her all sorts of reasons and things wherein his strength lie. But the strength wasn't in those things. The strength was in the Lord being a Nazarite and following God. And God had a purpose for his life. He had a, but he wasn't awoke. He wasn't aware. Notice that Samson would go to sleep after he would tell her his secrets or, or whatever, and he would rise up and the Philistines was upon him. We can't keep falling asleep and we must stay aware. So right there, he says, the enemies, your enemies should be those of your own household. Well, sometimes that spouse you have is not the perfect spouse. I'm not saying you have to divorce her or leave her, but you should be aware of her ways and the things that's about that spouse. Male or female, we, your spouse, what I'm saying, or your children, sometimes you have to cut a severed tie. It's better to cut off and lose a hand or a foot than the whole body to go in and perish in hell. So sometimes we have to deal with these things. That's why I say, I don't know what you're throwing in the flesh, but you need to be awake or aware to what's dragging you down in life. There's a lot of people, a lot of things that can drag us down in life. First Timothy says, fourth chapter says, Take heed unto thyselves and unto the doctrine and continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself in those that hear you. So you have to take heed to yourself in what what's going on, what, what doctrine you in. Jezebel came with a doctrine. She was the, her daddy was a Phoenician and they served a different God, Baal. Ahab served God. But he didn't take heed to the doctrine of God. So there's a lot of people that I'm not saying divorce your spouse because of what denomination or what she follows or what he follows. So we have a lot of that today in the denomination of marriage and marriage of different people of different religions. But we see where Nehemiah made them divorce the spouses that they had made, married or whatever. So if you bound, you may not seek to be loose. If you lose, you may not seek to be bound. So we, we, don't, we don't know what God has prescribed in that situation. That's why every day you have to seek the Lord. But we're talking about born again people or people that are in God. We're trying to stay on the path, the path of righteousness that he leads us into. What That same verse in the Amplified Bible says, pay, pay, pay close attention to yourself. Concentrate on your personal development. Not your spouse's development, not your children, but yourself. Save yourself from this untoward generation. Because those enemies of your own household, that if, if your ways please the Lord, he would make even those enemies be at peace with you. So Ahab, he listened at his spouse, and what he asked Adam, he said, because you've listened at your wife. Sometimes you can't listen at your spouse. You can't listen at your husband. Or you can't listen at your parents or children. You must submit yourself unto God. Now, there may be consequences you have to pay for that. But your awareness, or your awoke attentiveness, keeps you on God, in God's will, submitted to God's will. It says, 
and pay close attention to yourselves and to your teaching. Preserve it, persevere in these things, that is, hold on to them. For as you do this, you will ensure your salvation and those that hear you. Sometimes when people see your tenacity in that you actually believe in what you believe in, they may let go of what they, they have hold to and grab what you have. It's the, there's power in the gospel if you live this way. People are watching, and that's why it says, let your light so shine that men would see your light and give God the glory, and they'll be drawn into that light. And you let that light so shine that God be glorified. That's why I say, we glory in our infirmities. So no matter what your spouse, children, parents, associates, whoever think about you, no matter what type weakness it is, how they call you a fool or whatever they call you, those infirmities to you is your re- reassurance. That's the strength of God is made perfect in weakness in you, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes. That's what yes. you're trying to please God. Stop pleasing man. Stop trying to please other people. Yes. The Living Version says, Keep a close watch on all you do and think. Stay true to what is right. Stay true to what is right. You may not even watch the same things on television. You may not go to the same places. The things that make one happen may not make the other one happen. Sometimes you might meet in the middle and just, can I listen to what I'm saying? Forbear or with long suffering, you may share in some of the same things together. But those things are, are not what you want to do, but you're doing that because you're in the flesh. You're in the flesh, so sometimes we do have to do flesh and things. That's why we're not free from sin. He left us in the world. That's why we have to ask Him each day and pray to Him about all things and what to do because that's no open manual for everybody to do the same thing. And that's why sometimes people follow a television or follow certain things and they want you to live like the people on television living or living like their friends or somebody else living. No, you have to live your life the way the Spirit of the Lord is leading you. You have to be led by the Spirit of God. That calls for attentiveness or awakeness or alert or you walking circumspective unto God. <clears throat> we must put on our shield of faith. All this works by faith. That's why you say, I say you must be born again by the Word of God. They didn't have the Word of God during those days. They only heard, or they only, well, through a prophet or somebody, and they trusted or believed God, but it wasn't faith as we have faith today. The object of our faith has appeared. So now we arm ourselves with the whole armor of God taking the shield of faith. That shield of faith is able to quench the fiery darts of the devil because they come from everywhere. It doesn't take much. In the book of Solomon it says the little foxes destroy the vines. That there are different comments your spouse may make or criticism that your children or your parents, or someone, those criticisms and those reactions, how we react to them is what makes a difference. Peter found that out that he got in trouble by popping off a whole lot. So he preached and put it in the Word of God that when reviled, he reviled not again. Amen. 
You don't have to get into a word fight with people or whatever. But you do have to be aware that by the words we speak, the power lies in the tongue in what we say. So you watch those fights that you're fighting. That's why I say we have to be aware of the wiles of the devil. There are many tricks of God, and we have to have on the whole armor of God. And the devil uh, seeks to, to devour you, and he may be at any curve, but weaken you at any point. It's not that that person weakens you all the time. Satan is not united. Satan is divided. So these little, the the devil is in the details. So each day how you live your life from thing to thing is the ties that bind you. So we must be awake. It says awake. We must be alert every day, every minute of the day. We must take every thought captive unto the obedience of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That means everything that we think of, uh, say, or do must be thought about and must be done the proper way. That's being aware. That's being alert. And it takes something to be alert consistently to always be this way. God is perfect in every way, giving him us power to make up for any weaknesses we have. The Spirit gives us those weakness to forbear. Sometimes people do things and the Spirit stops us from being angry if we're meditating in His Word and taking heed to that Word. He says, Psalm says, He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thine shield and buckler. So, those things that come after us, we thinking and meditating upon His Word. And you remember I said, by taking heed unto His Word is how He strengthens us. We're washed and cleansed by that Word. So to put on strength is something we do. So we have to be obedient to the Word of God, and that's, that's the thing that tightens our senses up. A shield and a buckler, in other words, we're strong only in the Lord. Amen. Not in how we look or appear to the world. So we're building up on this. You see the foundation we're trying to build up on is awareness and attentiveness. Because it was Jesus himself said that we would have to give account for every word, every idle word. So be careful of the words that come out, out, out of our mouths in the things we do. As this attentiveness, as we do the will of God, then we will know that it's the word of God. There are several places in the Bible it says, then they will know. Even without written scripture, the people may have been illiterate during those days. Some people may be illiterate these days, but right by faith, that is a right conscience with God, you stand for what's right. And that's how the Gentiles, by faith, the Gentiles had much greater faith than Israel. They didn't have the Word of God. But their conscience bearing them witness. 
so that you know that this is God. Abraham said, these people are godless and they lie to kill me for our wife, for my wife. But their conscience bear witness that it was wrong to sleep with another man's wife. So it's your conscience. It, has your conscience been awakened or woke up? Now, I, I'm talking here. Now, it may be that you need to, some, some revival to where sometimes preaching may put you to sleep, but teaching may, but then that's a whole other situation. Whether I'm the wrong preacher, because what happens was a lot of people didn't like Paul. That's why they had divisions in the church. Some say I'm a Paul, some say I'm a Cephas, and I'm a, of Apollos. So we do have respect of persons, of preachers, but I would advise you to get in a church where you can stay on the edge spiritually and be aware of what's going on. They say Paul, they talked about his appearance and they said his speech is not the same, that his speech was contemptible. And that he writes some mighty weighty letters. His letters was weighty. And that's why when Paul says he was going to show them the gift of, of an apostle when he did come. But they heavily criticized Paul. And some criticized him to his face in the Corinthian church. But that's why he was saying he boasts in his infirmities and in his weaknesses and what all he had went underwent for God, and they were saying, well, you wouldn't be locked up in jail. You wouldn't be broke all the time. You would have money coming. You would have it all. He said, I didn't take any money from you. I didn't ask for money. I worked. One church gave me funds or whatever. He says, but I've learned to be content with such that I have. Yes. So Paul was bringing him the same way that Jesus Christ came because Jesus Christ says the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. It was the women and different people that were taking care of Jesus. He was an itinerant preacher, and the money that was he was making, Judas was stealing that out of the money bag. He didn't leave a, a, a material inheritance for to take care of these things. His father Joseph probably had died earlier being an old, or older man or whatever, so when he was dying on the cross, he didn't commend his brothers in his mother into any of his brother's hands. John Mark was a little bit more wealthier. John knew some people within the ranks of the Pharisees. That's the one that Mark had went into the courtroom during Jesus' crucifixion, and he was the one that told the maiden to allow Peter to go in when Peter was warming by the fire. So John Mark had a little bit, and we know that John Mark may not have been as strong as some of the others because Mark had left Paul on the missionary field and went back. But that was John Mark. So, but they realized who Jesus was through the authority of the works and the signs he was doing but the signs themselves, Jesus didn't want them to relate signs of what a person had with being from God. He says the only sign that you will have that, that I'm who I, the Messiah, is I'll be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. But so far as a sign, he said, adulterous generation looking for a sign. 
we must have a faith that was once delivered unto the saints, a faith that is built upon the Word of God and the promises of God. But for it to be built upon the Word of God and the promises of God, you must know the Word of God. You must know the Word of God. You must be a good Berean to be able to search the Scriptures to see whether those things are so. Now, we, let's take Gideon when we talk about people that go by signs. Gideon was threshing wheat on the, on, in the wine press. And the angel appeared unto Gideon, and he saw Gideon as God saw Gideon. He says, Lo, O man of valor. And Gideon said, Who, me? So he saw Gideon for what God can make him. And that's what happens to us. While we were yet sinners, God addressed us as sons of God. Sons and daughters of God. So what we could be. So Gideon went through a process of a number of signs of fleeces that he laid out to whereby if God made the fleece wet and the ground dry and then the next night the the ground wet and the fleece dry and then several other signs Gideon mostly relied upon signs to build up his faith. But God says building ourselves upon our most holy faith. In other words, we must have ever-increasing faith by being vulnerable to the things we do, being dependent upon God to deliver us. So that's what Paul was saying. He was in the deep. He had been beaten thrice with 39 stripes. And he had all of these things happen. He said, but through all of these things, the Lord had delivered me. He was like the Hebrew boys that had came through the fire. They know God would deliver them without a sign. He said, if he deliver us well. So Gideon, we see that his life was based upon signs. And he said, if the Lord be for us, why have all these things befallen us? Well, I can tell you the answer to that, Gideon. Y'all had followed idolatry. Y'all had gotten away from God. So the situation you were in had caused that. Just like with Israel. Israel had never obeyed God. And that's why they were in captivity. But God said, you sold yourself into slavery and I sent a type of Cyrus who released you from bondage, from slavery without a price. You sold yourself for nothing, but I redeem you for nothing. Yes. So when God bought us back, He says, Awaken, this has been done. My son has done this. Awaken, arise, and put on God. In other words, put on Christ. That's your strength. Christ is your strength. And He's your, have faith in Him. He's your deliverer. Put on the garments or put on festive clothing. In other words, robe yourself as a king's son. And that's by pulling off the old man. But you remember I say it's doing something. It's doing these things in the strength of the Lord. Second point. (coughs) Strengthening. The doing of what's right through the Spirit of God. Not because naturally you like doing things, feeding the needy, helping people, That's a natural proclivity of a lot of people. But it's not having a relationship or not being led by the Spirit of God. Philippians, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now the key there 
is that that all things are the things that God directs you to do. Are you being led by the Spirit of God? Because there are a lot of things that you can do, a lot of works that you can do, a self-ambitious works, a self... It's like the Pharisee was bragging about he fasts twice a week, he gives tithes, he, all of the things he done, but those are things you choose of those are the things that you're led to do. That's not the Spirit leading you to do those things even though that they are good things. Those things in themselves don't strengthen you. That's natural strengthening. But you must be spiritually strengthened. In other words, as the widow that gave the two mites, she was strengthened by her inclination to please and do that which God led her to do. So is your giving spirit-led or it's if it's led to be showing off? The Pharisees would toss in tons of money. They would give and they would even tie off their seasoning and things. But he says, these things you ought to have done, but they were doing it to be seen. A lot of people do things to be seen and not because it's led by the Spirit of God. But, but by repentance and by turning to Him when we are weary, we can experience the strength that comes from Him because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. But here and again goes the Word of God, goes back to my friend when I told him, He's a renegade outside of the church that you, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That means coming to the church because for the fivefold ministry is built for the edifying of the church. It edifies the saints. It presents you without a spot or wrinkle, but it's a, it's a community of people it's a church that you should not forsake the assembly together of yourselves because there are lessons to be learned in being strengthened. The cords that tie, the binds. You're not a family if you hadn't been strengthened through family ties. See, there are some people get strengthened. The son or the daughter may marry into another family and be closer to that 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 wife or that husband's family than he is his own or her own family. Those are the ties that bind. So if Ephraim ends up joined to idols, God says let him alone. We have to join the church and be physically bound to Christ. Those that abide in the word, those that are in Christ. So now your spiritual brethren, the spirit, those he says, Mother, behold your son, son behold. In other words, when he commended himself, his mother to John, he she was he was to look after her physically and spiritually. So when we turn to Christ, we start repenting and turning from ourselves, dying the self, and God strengthen us where we are weak at. It's a life-changing forces. We're strengthening Christ because we're putting Him on. We're undressing ourselves. We, (coughs) but sometimes our natural strength of what God gives us natural, sometimes is our downfall. So, our strength sometimes is a vice. 
And God may take it in a changing you. If you're a proud person, God's going to do a lot to humble you. But you must learn through the Word of God or by the Word of God that you should humble yourself. He says, if my people which are called by name, my name would humble themselves. We, a lot of us, our strengths are our vices and that's our weakness. Our strength is our weaknesses. Samson's strength was his weaknesses and it caused his death. It was naturally strong. So you'll go about to do things in those play to you. Sometimes people have a a, a, a strong charismatic force. They can talk good. And that's what's going on with a lot of mega churches. They have charismatic preachers and teachers and people love to hear them. But just as Apollos was, Apollos was a good orator. He can talk real good. But Priscilla and Aquila, Aquila realized he liked something, and that was the Spirit of God. That was the Spirit to be able to empower him. Sometimes we, we great money of financial people, and they, they got a lot of people in the churches, and they tell how to make money, and they can do all these things. But then you're out of balance, and that's not a good spiritual strength to be out of balance. The, the church gives you balance, and we must have balance. And God gives strength to those that are weary. That's why it's a lot of times in older age that we come to God, and he's able to give the weary, those that are weary and come unto the Lord, shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings of eagles. Bill, God can make you strong then because now you don't have that to offer God and you dependent upon his strength. You dependent upon him to give you that ability to move and to go. So once we be dependent upon God, that's why we have to see that's going to be into that third point. Let me not put that in this point, but we have to depend on another we have to come to God and realize our weaknesses, our frailty. Uh, the Lord's strength has to seek the Lord. We have to turn to him and find him in every situation and desire his presence. Look for his presence in that situation. Even in unbearable situations, there are a lot of television programs I may watch with other people I may do, but I try to find God in that. And a lot of people don't realize you may get things out of a program that the writer didn't write in there. That's because you're asking God to free your mind. And when God free your mind, one person may mean something by this, but God may show you something else with that same thing. That's why when preaching, a preacher can preach a sermon, and somebody say, oh, preacher, you said this and you got something. A lot of times you say what you got out of the sermon or what it did for you. Well, that's how sermons are because it's a spiritual matter, and God makes us hear different things because he's leading and guiding the spiritual. So a sermon may be a powerful sermon. Apollos was preaching powerful sermons, but he didn't have the Spirit. 
So God was giving them an understanding of it or what they saying. That's why he, he charges the false prophets to preach the word of God. Even though you may not be a true prophet, he charges them to preach God's word. So he says it's able, to, he told Timothy that the scripture, scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. You could be as Moses was going toward the promised land and may not enter it yourself. Joshua and Caleb entered in because of their courage, because of their belief in God, and because of their obedience. Disobedience and anger, Moses not watching what he's doing at all times, caused him not to go into the promised land. He allowed the people to make him mad, and he got angry and struck the rock. He smote the rock more than he was supposed to. By embracing God, God's always there present with us. He sends himself with us. He, he is the one that strengthens the inner man. The inner man is what carries us. The inner man is what gives us life. Is Christ dwelling in you richly. That's why he says, put on strength. So Paul saw that inner man and he saw this other member in him, the old man, fighting against that inner man. But as he told Joshua, he said, There shall not be a man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What he, what he says to one, he says to all. Just as he was with them, He's with us. He's not impartial. I mean, he's not partial. He's impartial. It applies to all of his children because he loves us with the same love. A parent should love all their children with the same love even though the children are different and has varying ways and gifts among them. But it's the same love for each child. And he's told Joshua in Joshua 1 5, it says, And the Lord says, He it is that doeth go before you. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Just the same thing that Jeremiah found out. Don't be confused or confounded. I'm with you. So when speaking before people are going somewhere, sometimes we might be afraid or whatever, but God says, No. Go and say what I tell you to say. Jeremiah says, but I'm a butter child. He says, I know it, but he says, I will be within you. My spirit will be within you. Don't be confounded. Don't be confused. Strengthen yourself. The feeble knees that hang down. Remember when we were talking about Peter during the week. The feeble knees that hang down. Know that Christ is with you and declare all he's given you to declare. So strength comes within. Though a tree look like it's brown and it's dry or whatever, the sap comes up in the middle of that tree. It may be harder to break than you think it is. It's not always the leaning tree, the first one to fall. Through endurance, that tree has been through trial and tribulation, and through faith, it has grown strong. What does it mean spiritually to us? The character of strength involves digging deep and greater and to align ourselves 
with God, with Christ. Jesus dug deep to align himself up with the Word of God. That's the standard. That's the measure by which we are lining ourselves up with. To get a relationship with God. To get in unity with God. That, that's the unity of the Spirit. In other words, the saints that align around us, that's why sometimes when you go in and encourage other people and stand with other people. It was a young lady that, that at the place where I worked for, you know, she said, well, how did your surgery go, Mr. Emerson? And I said, it went wonderful. I say, I came through it and did all these things, and I was going to drop my time sheet off or whatever. And she came out, and she gave me a big hug and said, it's going to be all right in the Lord. Just stand strong and do what God has sent you to do. Well, that helped me to go and preach and teach. When you exhorting people, when people come along, and I was telling you about this guy that's not in the church, I get exhorted more sometimes from people that are not in the church than I do outside of the church. Sometimes Is that part of the ministry that God has for you? How many times do you exhort people? Do you encourage people? And I don't mean with feigned encouragement. I mean from the heart that you tell people and encourage people in certain ways. There are some people that are weak or have infirmities or whatever. And I go to I say, are you praying for me? Are you praying most of the day? See, because he says, cease not to pray. And that may be where God has you now. Where Anna was 80 or maybe 100 and some years old that was at the temple daily praying. Yes. But the fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. So you may be in your 80s or 90s. Are you a praying person? Are you hearing God's word? Because that's what strengthens you, the hearing of the word, because faith coming by hearing of the word of God. Yes. But if you're hearing of the voices of the world, the things of the world, that's not what's going to ooze out of you. Hatred, anger, bitter, resentment, all of that's going to ooze out of you because the world is consistently putting that in you. So, are, are you inclined to be a talebearer, a gossiper, or do you stand up for what's right? That's why I say, in circumspectively, Joseph wasn't entangled with his brothers because his brothers never were converted. So he kept his distance. But he still treated them better than brothers. He treated them better than brothers. That's why Christ teaches us to love your enemy. Because your enemy can't do you any harm. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. He can't do you any harm. You're impervious to the assaults of men because Christ had given you life. He's our strength. Nevertheless, his will be doing. I should do what God tells me to do. I have strength to pray for you. No matter what you do me, I can't allow you to change my character or my nature because God says, in me, in Jesus, I can do all things. I can suffer long. I can forbear. And, and, and Paul was in a lot of pain and torture and he was telling people because, see, sometimes if we try to appear too strong to our children, if we appear too strong for people, sometimes, you know, you're telling people of the pain you're in or what's going through, that's not for your sake. 
it may be for their sake because they think what well, nothing bothers him or whatever. Yeah, it does bother us. It gets to us. And we need someone that knows that this is getting to us. Jesus didn't have anybody like that. When he asked Peter and James and John to pray, pray with me just one hour, because he was about to go to the cross. He was about to die an excruciating death, and they laid there and went to sleep. It's a lot of people. You're talking to them, or you're telling them something, they'll go to sleep. They don't want to hear about your pain and suffering. Well, you didn't tell me that. I mean, the reason is that you need a sounding board. It's not good for man to be alone. Do sometimes you allow people to come to you and just vent? And t- they say, go it on and get it off your chest. I'll hear what you're saying. Yes. You might have told me that many a time, but you need someone to confide in. You need someone to hear of your pain and your troubles. And Jesus came and says, you couldn't bear with me one hour. So he restores strength to those that our humanity sometimes doesn't allow us to show who we are. And he showed that side of it. He says, Father, if it be thy will, I'll drink of this cup. But if there any other way, thy will be done. In other words, any other way, let this cup pass from me. Because he's seen the bitter cup that he drank. He knew what he was about to experience. So my third point is submission. He submitted himself to it. He says, nevertheless, thy will be done. What we then went through life, we submit ourselves to you. And we take up our yoke, we take up our cross and follow after you. It says deny ourselves. He submitted himself to the will of God. We must submit ourselves to the will of God to wear those festal garments, to do all these things, we must be in submission. We must obey. From those around us, we learn, and we have obedience. Uh, Henry Miller, uh, one sad uh, quote here says, true strength lies in submission, which permits one to dedicate his life through devotion to something beyond himself true submission. You know, they throwed out the marriage vow. They've changed it. Most weddings don't have it that way anymore. But the wife submit herself to her husband. And God's looking at that. You know, it takes you, it takes a whole lot to submit yourself to someone else. Not that she's less than he is. It says that she's the weaker vessel but they have an inborn strength that God gives them, and that strength is in weakness. The more she's submitted to her husband, the more God blesses her. Because she's reversing the role if she's not submitted unto her husband. Now, where unbelievers and where Christians error is that they're not strengthening themselves in the Lord and strengthening themselves in the Word of God because if you get into the Bible, you'll see where it says, submit yourself one to another. So the husband has to submit himself to the wife. Are we understanding a precept from a statue? 
In other words, when God says the husband shall bear rule over you, but then it says Christ died for the church, he died for his bride, and that we're to submit ourselves one to another. So even in the church, the members are supposed to be submitted to one another. That's strength in submission because it requires meekness. It requires power under control. Not that you're, you're, I'm less than you, not that I'm stronger than you, but I have to have self-restraint. I have to have self-control. I have to be able to buffet my body and says, as he said, Lord, I come in the volume of the book to do thine will. My body is no longer mine. What does it take to help this body of Christ heal? So in conclusion here, the 40th chapter of Psalms, I conclude with that in eight verses. It says, I delight to do thine will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart, and it gives me strength, and I delight in thy law. The joy of the Lord is my strength, and when it when I'm well pleasing unto God, He'll make even my enemies be at peace with me. God is my strength, and if I pull off the old man, in in other words, if I divest myself of myself, it said He laid aside His His divinity. In other words, when Christ became His man, He laid aside. His divinity. And he suffered as a man. He was born and shaped in the same form as a man. And he went through these things, the suffering and the, the, the degradation of being a man. Here is deity. He is God in the flesh. And he subject, subjected himself to, to be beaten by the cre- creation that he created and hung on a cross. That is, he submitted himself. He said, I willingly lay down my life for the glory to be revealed. Because he rose with all power. He rose with all power because God seen that he fully submitted himself to him. So, how do we strengthen ourselves? By putting on Christ. Being robed in his righteousness and he gives us that freely. He imputes his righteousness to us. But as he imputes that righteousness unto us, <coughs> we turn around and present our bodies as a living sacrifice unto him. And that's our reasonable service. So to be strong in the Lord is to hide his word in our heart that we don't sin against him. To be strong in the Lord is to make disciples. It's to be making disciples. To be a disciple. Because God is looking for those that depend upon Him and trust and believe in Him. And it all comes through faith. Heavenly Father, as we come before you, Lord God, this day, Lord God, 